But I have a question for you. When you say, well, I really hate that because I really like your mom or I think she's a good person or whatever, are you lying? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You're listening to the Nacho Kids Podcast, where we discuss all things step family related, real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. David. Lori. This time change has kicked my booty. (laughs) Is that what it is? Yeah. At 545, I'm ready to go to bed. And that's different how? David. (laughs) Because normally I make it to 645. (laughs) Yeah. You know, they're talking about doing away with that. I mentioned that to Jackson today. I said, yeah, they're talking about doing away with it. He's like, and they've been talking about that for how long? I was like, He's not that old. No, but he's got a point. Yeah. I wish they would, though. I do, too. Some places don't have it. Yeah, a few states don't have it. Is it Arizona? Oh, I I don't know. So, in other news, did you hear about the state that, like, legalized meth? You're lying. I saw it. saw it on the news. I thought you were going to say Facebook. Well, if you saw it on the news, David, it has to be true. (laughs) Just like that time that the reporter was in the middle of the hurricane and they forgot that they zoomed out and he was standing in a mud puddle. (laughs) I just thought it was a genius way to lower your crime rate, right? If you just make crime legal. Are you serious? I am serious. I saw it. You're lying. Look it up. I got to Google. Google is my friend. Okay. Apparently, they didn't legalize it. Okay. They decriminalized it. Okay. Oregon decriminalized small possession amounts of hard drugs, <laughs> including heroin, meth, and cocaine. So what's the difference between decriminalizing and legalizing? The difference between legalization and decriminalization is legalization is the process of removing all legal prohibitions against it, which means it's legal. Mm-hmm. Decriminalization means it would remain illegal, but the legal system would not prosecute a person for possession under a specified amount. Hmm. So maybe they'll just be fined. Well, what it sounds like is that it's still illegal as long as the amount is less than X. Whereas it's illegal regardless of the amount, but they're not going to take you to jail for. I don't trust them. You know. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what you call a rock of cocaine, uh, whereas they might take you to jail for an eight ball. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> eight ball. All right. That's interesting, though. So, anyway, I just saw that today. thought it was interesting because, you know, some states in the United States are still looking at legalizing marijuana, and then now we have Oregon going well, let's just decriminalize meth and cocaine and heroin. <laughs> it's like, wow. Well, okay, wait a minute. Decriminalization means no arrest, prison time, or criminal record for the first time possession of a small amount for personal consumption. <laughs> Still, that's kind of hard to follow. In but... most states, these offenses are treated like a minor traffic violation. Okay. But yeah, I think uh, three states voted to legalize recreational marijuana. Okay. I mean, I'm speaking about things that are outside of my purview of knowledge. Like, I don't understand why they decriminalize it, but I just thought it was interesting. Because the jails are full. I mean, I'm sure there's more than that. Like, I don't know. Maybe they want to sell it at the 7-Eleven or something. 
Well, Arizona, New Jersey, and South Dakota voted to legalize recreational marijuana. Okay. But uh, I don't understand the hard drugs no. in Oregon. But they they criminalized texting and driving. <laughs> no, but kidding. you can shoot up some heroin and... <laughs> and do what you want to do. Go on your merry way. <laughs> Interesting. Maybe they'll have, like, heroin break rooms in, in places now. Yeah. This is ridiculous. I don't know. I don't know how it works, but... Um, That's scary. So as you as you went to bed last night, you thought you were going to wake up to um, the election results. We're not talking about the election. That's not what this podcast is for. <laughs> well, it's about- we can talk about marijuana and hard drugs being legalized, <laughs> but we cannot talk about the election, David. Some things are taboo. Yes. Oh man, fun. Yeah, I, I don't care. Um, as much about the election as I care about what people do afterwards. Because no matter who wins, one side's going to be mad. And what they do with that anger is what I'm concerned about. Because they should be nachoing. Yes, they should. <laughs> we need to fi- start our nacho campaign. Nacho for president 2024. <laughs> we'll do that. Well, we just elect you for president. Nope. Yeah. Nope. I vote for you. Nope, I've got a bad past, and it'll all come <laughs> well, to then, light. Well, then you should be you should fit right in. <laughs> you should be elected with no problem. No, because I'd tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Oh, so help mind. me God. You can't be a politician then. No, I think some of them tell the truth. Yeah, for a day or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's all about perception. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I guess. So okay, so we talked about two taboo topics already in the opener. So we talked about legalizing hard drugs and the craziness about the election system in the United States. Uh, All right. So who's our guest for today? Our guest today is Hannah. And I don't know if I can say her last name. Okay, Hannah, no last name. Hannah is a moderator for the Nacho Kids Facebook group. Okay, so that means that most people are going to be here to find her then. Well, I'm going to go ahead and tell you people that don't like long podcasts, cut this one off. Don't even start. (laughs) I don't want to hear no complaining, <laughs> but this is one heck of a good podcast. Well, good. Was I on it? Nope. Really? Really. Wow. And you went that long? Yeah, we went a long time. All right. Well, she started asking me questions, and we talked about nacho stuff and the Facebook group. And, I mean, she's in Dubai. Is she? Yes, yeah, she is. What? And she just had a sweet little baby. I'm going to be its aunt. <laughs> You just want to go to Dubai. Well, she's actually visiting New Jersey right now. That's a difference. Yeah. She um, has family in New Jersey. Okay. But she lives in Dubai. Mm-hmm. She met her husband in Singapore, mm. and he's from England. <laughs> and the bio mom and stepkids are in Australia. Good grief. So this is a worldwide blended family. No kidding. Like, is there a continent that you missed? Uh, Antarctica. <laughs> All right. So um so was Hannah's thing. We're just gonna have to wait and listen. You gonna tell us any Yeah. They they've been through a lot of stuff. They really have. And it's sad some of the stuff that they've gone through. But she's a tough chick. Otherwise she couldn't be a moderator in my Facebook group. <laughs> That's true. It was a pleasure to have her as a guest though, because I've watched her grow. Mm-hmm. You know, I love watching people start off say at point A, and I see them go to point N for nacho. (laughs) And then they go to point W for win. 
Is, is that the end of it? That's all I'm doing right now. <laughs> she did have a therapist. I don't know if she still does, but she did have a therapist that agreed with nachoing. Mm-hmm. And she said, I don't know how anybody could go to one that didn't. Mm-hmm. And that's the bad thing. And she brings this up during our interview that you finally get your husband to go speak to a therapist and you want to talk to the therapist about you stepping back because you're stressed and have anxiety. And the therapist says, what are you talking about? And you're like, well, you know, I want a nacho. I want to step back. I want to disengage. And I want to be the cool aunt to these stepkids. I want to, you know, build that kind of bond with them. And then the therapist goes, excuse me? You're their parent. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we're done here. Okay, so then what do you do? Tell your husband, oh, I'm sorry I took you to that one. That was the wrong one. You don't want to get him to go to another one. He heard what he wanted to hear. Yeah, but shopping therapist is pretty common. Yeah, but it's harder to shop them when you finally get your (laughs) significant other to go. Yeah, I know. So my advice is when you decide to meet with a therapist, before you take your significant other, Ask them if they agree with the Nacho Kids method. There you go. We should have the Nacho Kids approved list. (laughs) Of therapists and counselors. Yeah. And psychiatrists. We had a psychiatrist refer someone to our academy. Mm -hmm. That's always nice. Yeah. We want to have the the certified Nacho Kids referral network. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. See if your provider is in our Nacho network. There you go. There you go. It's covered by your insurance. Yes. (laughs) Okay, let's get to going because this is long and I don't want, you know, to upset everybody. All right, people. Um, You know, you can, with your podcast player, you can listen at like one and a half times speed or even two X speed. Yeah, but you might want to start off slowly (laughs) because if you jump right in doing two X, even though we are Southern and talk kind of slow, we do sound like chipmunks. (laughs) All right, so let's get to listening to Hannah Nola's name and her story from around the world. (laughs) The Nacho Mom in Dubai. (laughs) All right, here's a word about the Nacho Kids Academy. There is a way to save your sanity and your relationship, and it's called the Nacho Kids Academy. In the Nacho Kids Academy, you will learn the skills and knowledge to properly nacho, techniques to handle stepfamily challenges, ways to improve your communication, and much, much more. Visit NachoKidsAcademy.com and sign up today to join other step parents who are seeing the life-changing benefits of nachoing. Again, that's NachoKidsAcademy.com. Today, we have stepmom Hannah O'Reilly. Hey, Hannah, how are you? Hey, Lori. Very good, thanks. How are you? Good. Nice to finally talk to you. You too. Good to put, well, I was going to say a voice to the name, but I do listen to you constantly. <laughs> <laughs> the podcast is how I learned to nacho, really. Good. So it's helped you? It's helped me a lot. And it's um, very exciting that I went from like listening to your podcast to tricking my husband into listening to your podcast to now being on your podcast. It's really cool. Oh, you tricked your husband to listen to it. Yeah. So what I did was uh, the ones that I wanted him to hear, I would go back and play it while I was cleaning, like with him around. (laughs) Or I'd uh, go back and play it again in the car if I was driving, because whoever's driving is like in charge of the radio. Uh So while I was driving, I'd be like, oh, let me just play my podcast. And it'd be one I wanted him to hear. (laughs) Was he receptive to it? Or was he like, turn that crap off? I don't want to hear it. No, he was definitely receptive because when I 
initially opened up as like, Hey, would you listen to this, this podcast with me? I've been listening to, I think if you, no, 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 we don't need that. We can talk about our problems. Uh, but then I started putting it on and what he'd do is I wouldn't be asking him to pay attention. You know, it was just background noise, but he'd hear something you guys said and he'd be like, well, obviously that's true. And I'd be like, aha, he's listening. Uh-huh. <laughs> or he'd disagree with someone or he'd say, oh my God, that's horrible. When someone in the podcast would talk about what their stepdaughter did or something. And I was like, there we go. He's getting into it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Yeah. It's always nice to trick our husbands. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little bit about you. You live in Dubai. I live in Dubai. I am from New Jersey, born and raised. And then I moved around to a few different countries, mostly for teaching. And I met my husband in Singapore. I had just moved there and he was already living there and working. He's from England. So we've got a really uh, international situation. So he's from England. I'm from America. We met in Singapore. His ex-wife and my two stepchildren are Australian. That's where they are in Australia. Then we got married in Bali and moved to Dubai. Okay. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) We're all over the place. Yeah. How far is Dubai from Australia? Uh, Dubai from Australia is about a 12-hour flight and Dubai from New York is about a 12-hour flight. Okay. So how often do you get to see the stepkids? We are newer to Dubai, but we were living in Singapore for five years. And when we were there, we had them every quarter for a few weeks. Uh, The Australian school system, instead of one giant summer and then constant school, their school is kind of in quarters or they'll have like half a semester and then maybe a two week break then half a semester, another two week break. And then they have their summer which is more like five or six weeks, which Mm -hmm. is actually over Christmas because that's their summertime in the Southern Hemisphere. Okay. So we used to have them uh, about two weeks every quarter and then about a month over Christmas. Okay. But now that we moved to Dubai, um, my husband felt confident after a conversation with his ex-wife before we came that they were going to work it out to be the same and everything was going to be fine. And she had said, of course, I would never keep the kids from you. Um, but it's proven to be, I guess, and dare I say, an excuse to make things difficult. So we, as long as we lived in Dubai, my we've been able to see them two or three times of us going there, but they have not been allowed to come here. So unfortunately, it's drastically decreased how much how much we see them. That seemed to get way stronger, actually, after there was a visit where they started to tell us and their mom that they wanted to live with us. Ooh. I really thought my husband handled it well. He told them that nothing would make him happier than them li- living with us. But this this is a big, big grown-up decision. My stepdaughter is 10. She was 9 at the time. And my stepson is 8. He was 7 at the time. So my husband tried to explain it's a big, big decision. You would miss your mom. You, all your friends are there. All your, you know, all your family there. It's a, so I feel like he handled it right. But let's just say we have not seen them since then, and that was over a year ago. They, they want to see us. They want to see us bad. But well, I do think that your husband handled that perfectly. I thought he did. Like he said, I want you to. I'd love you to. And we can keep having this conversation for the next few years if, if you really think you mean it. But that's a really big grown up decision because you're. It's hard for you to see the big, big picture of 
all the ways that would change your life. Yeah, because the last thing you want is for them to move all the way to Dubai and then them end up sad or depressed because they miss their friends and all that. And then they want to go back. It's just, um, it is a big decision. Yep. Especially when you're talking about Dubai versus Australia. Yeah, we would so love. I mean, I know nothing would make my husband happier. But anyway, I don't know what the conversation was then when they went back to their moms and told her we didn't think that they were going to do that. But they told her that they want to live with us. And uh, I don't know how that conversation went. But she sure buckled down on making sure they will never come here. right after that happened. That is so sad. And unfortunately, you are not the first person that I know that has went through this. We had a couple that lived in Hong Kong, and they were going to move to Australia. They had things worked out with the bio mom of the visitation, where they were actually going to get them about the same amount of time, if not a little bit more, because of school holidays and things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They move to Australia, and then guess what? They haven't seen the kids. The mom, like, changed their phone numbers. Oh, man. Blocked the emails. It was it was crazy. So this person went from thinking when they relocated to Australia that they were still going to see the kids to parental alienation. Yeah. Now, your husband is still allowed to talk to the kids, right? Uh, yes. The, the narrative is that this is a decision to protect the children in case we decided to kidnap them. So they can still talk on the phone to us, but uh, I don't know where that came from. I guess just opportunity. But you know, I was talking to somebody about this the other day. It is a real concern. And it may be, especially if the relationship's bad, because I know when my son was little, I was worried to death that his dad would take off with him. Mm. Did he ever give you reason? He's shady. All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you can't trust him. So, because we've been to so many countries with the kids, it's just suddenly this one. I don't know. We've been to Indonesia with them, Thailand, Singapore, Malaysia, I think. She didn't have an issue with that. No, no, no. Okay. Well, I do know that you recently had a baby. I did. Do you think that has something to do with it? No, actually, I would say because my baby's only two months old and this uh, started about 14 months ago. I actually wasn't pregnant yet. Um, I would say actually the baby has made the children, especially my stepdaughter, feel even more frustrated that she can't come here Mm -hmm. Uh, and maybe made the bio mom feel a little more like, I hope it seems at least she's gotten a little softer to the idea of like, okay, maybe I need to reconsider this because my kids are really unhappy with this decision. Well, and two, I was thinking, how long ago was it that the kids told her they wanted to come live with you? 14 months. Ah, yeah. Yeah. So she's afraid they'll get over there and want to stay and your husband won't send them back. I suspect that is maybe deep down what she's thinking, but I don't know. I don't know. I'm not there. Maybe she's got her other reasons that I just don't know about, but I do suspect that she thinks, well, if the kids haven't even been there and they're talking about wanting to live there, what happens when they see their bedroom there? What happens when they meet the neighbor kids there, you know? And see how cool Dubai is. Yeah. 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 So how long have you been blending? We kind of forgot to go over that part. Right. In the background. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, So uh, six years, I think, six years ago. Yep. My stepkids were... Two and four, and now they're eight and ten. I met my husband in Singapore, and yeah, it, it, it wasn't so difficult then. 
bio mom was good about, you know, being good to me and telling the kids, oh, be nice to daddy's girlfriend or anything like that. You make sure you listen to Hannah. I think just when things got uglier between my husband and her, Mm -hmm. I mean, everything, it gets worse for everyone, I suppose. Yes. The kids and I. (laughs) Yeah. So that was six years ago. And it's, it's just, I think his problems were his problems. His drama was his drama. I was just his girlfriend. It's kind of like, he had his personal family issues, just like he may have his work issues. And like me as his girlfriend, I'm not, his work issues are not my problem. They're not something that I feel personally invested in. I might mm-hmm. like be there to listen to him vaguely, but I'm not like deep in it, you know, when he has a problem at work. More so, I'm kind of the person to like distract him from those problems, really. And it was kind of the same way with his worries and dramas with his ex-wife and his concerns about his kids it wasn't my own problems that I felt personally invested in I was just there to listen a little bit and that was certainly not like most of our conversation on dates or anything like that right and then as you know time goes on and slowly slowly I think you you see him handle something in a way that you think he shouldn't have done it that way. And you start to get a little involved there. And then you see he needs a bit of help over here. So you start to get a little more involved. And then you're spending more time with the stepkids and they're little and your husband's not sure how to do this or that because my background is in teaching. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, this is something I can help with. Why don't you, why don't you do it this way? Oh, you could put up the house rules right near the door. The kids will love that. The kids love structure. <laughs> and before you know it, you're just like, you've got this major role. You're, the conversations on your dates become about all these problems that weren't your problems. It just, I started to become the over-involved stepmom. And I've listened to a lot of podcasts with over-involved stepmoms. I wasn't in a situation where my husband or the bio mom, I think, I don't think I was in a situation where anyone felt like I was doing too much. I don't think the kids felt like I was trying to act like mom. And I'm really lucky my stepkids and I have a really good relationship. They're still little. I've read enough and listened to the podcast enough to know the day will come (laughs) (laughs) that they're going to feel different. Yeah. But for now, I have a really good relationship with both of them. No one was trying to get me to back off or anything. And I just kept getting deeper and deeper and deeper involved. And at some point, I think I felt like some obligation, like it's my role I'm, I'm the mom in our house, even though I'm not their mom, that, that is still is the role I'm supposed to fulfill here at this house. Mm-hmm. And also as my husband's wife, like I felt like an obligation that I'm supposed to co-parent with him. Right. When he's being dad, I'm supposed to play some kind of parent. It might not be a mom and it might be hard to define, but I'm supposed to be something when they're here. But also like when you start getting more invested with your partner, then all of a sudden, the things that he's dealing with affect your future. Right. So while I'm listening, when we're first dating, I'm like, Oh, God, like, that sounds rough. Sorry to hear that. I hope that works out. That's not the same when it's your money or your vacation days or your like, suddenly it, it or your house, <laughs> right, your kitchen, your cooking, it's it becomes really personal when you're much more invested in the relationship. But yes. at some point, somewhere along the line, I got just way 
way too involved. I was helping him. We were sitting together while he wrote like legal emails because he's like, oh, I can't put it. I can't put it in words. You're just better at this. And I was always appreciated. But at some point, his lawyers became our lawyers and his kids teachers became our kids teachers and his drama became our drama it just it all Mm -hmm. just blended together at some point yeah that's a whole new meaning to what's yours is mine and mine is yours yeah (laughs) but we don't have like decision making power or like to take on huge problems but you have to sit on the sidelines while other people fix the problems or don't right is really a horrible anxiety provoking place to be Mm -hmm. and you I just I definitely started like pushing him more how I think he should handle things and I don't know just things started to get way too stressful for me and definitely everything with the bio mom started to feel just so personal like the attacks that maybe I used to roll my eyes at felt way more threatening or the accusations or even just if she just said something mean about me I just, I wanted my husband to say something back every time. And I know it wasn't worth it, but suddenly you're just like pushing your husband to handle things. However, I think they should be handled, even if they only like affected me a little. Because otherwise I just lay there thinking about what I wish he had said or what I wish I could say or what I wish I could do or how I would handle this if it was me. And why isn't he see that? Why isn't he handling it? Like it's me until this one night I remember like, almost feeling like I can't take it anymore. And I truly thought about breaking up with him. I mean, Mm -hmm. really laid there, think we were even engaged. And I laid there thinking, I have to break it off. I'm losing my mind. I have to break it off. And I actually remember feeling total relief about breaking up with him. And it all revolved around, oh, it'll be be so good when I break up with him to never have to deal with bio mom again. I'll mm-hmm. never have to hear her voice again. I'll never have to read these emails. I'll never have to know all these awful things she says about me. I'll never have to care what she does to him or what she attempts to do to him or what accusations she makes about him. None of it will matter anymore if I break up with him. And then I was like, my God, I've given her so much power. Yes. This is her, this is her dream to literally be the reason we break up. Everything else in our relationship is good. That's the only thing I'm excited about. Like, how how did I get to this place where, like, I think about the impact on her and what she, or her retaliation about, like, every move I make? Mm-hmm. How did that happen? And then I thought, well, if I'm saying to myself, if I've gotten to the point where I literally feel relief, like, oh, I'll feel so much better if she's just out of my life. But that means losing this man who I love, who I wanted to marry and spend the rest of my life with. Why don't I just try to do both? Right. (laughs) Why don't I go ahead and spend the rest of my life with this man who I'm so happy with and get her out of my life? Yes. And I just, I I couldn't find anything like that except Nacho Kids. There's nothing that really says like, all you're getting into is your marriage and you don't have to get into the rest of it except Mm -hmm. Nacho Kids. (laughs) So I really dove into Nacho Kids and I got a therapist um, who really supported Nacho. And that's something I'd love to, I want to know how you feel like sometimes. So I'm a moderator in the Nacho Kids group, as you know, Mm -hmm. and that in itself was a big milestone to me to think I went from someone who 
wasn't nachoing, who was trying to learn to nacho, who's now someone you trust <laughs> to be a moderator in the group. That we see in the group people who like push really hard to get their significant other into therapy or counseling of some sort. And they end up with a counselor who doesn't believe in nacho. <laughs> and that is like terrifying to me. I mean, I know your therapist is essentially what sparked this entire movement. Right. They are nacho kids. <laughs> I know, girl, 812 times or whatever it was. <laughs> and my therapist was like, she is tough on me about boundaries and how I am way too loosey-goosey with my boundaries, which I'm not in any other aspect of my life, we've come to realize. I cannot imagine if I pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed my husband into therapy. And then the therapist said to me, you knew what you were getting into. You married the man, you married the kids. You need to love them like your own. I mean, what, how, I don't, I don't know what <laughs> advice for, for them. Cause I, how do you come back from that? How do you say to your husband? Yeah, I really wanted to go to therapy, but not that therapist, not that therapist who agrees with you. We got to go find a different therapist. Right. How could you get him to go to someone else? I, uh, it's funny you say that because, we, of course, we see it a lot in the Facebook group. It's like, oh, I finally got him to go. And then the therapist is like, oh, they're your kids, too. You're their parent. No, you're not. You're not. No. <laughs> My suggestion is before you meet with a therapist, ask them about their blended family experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, I do know a lady that recently she went to a therapist and she made the comment. She said, they're not my kids. And he said, who told you that? She said, well, they're not. And he told her, you have earned the right to be mom to them. And I'm sitting there thinking, mm, you know, you know my thoughts. Mm -hmm. No. And she's been in these children's lives since they were, I think, three. And they have them all the time, except for every other weekend. Okay. But I still disagree with her yep. earning the right to be mom. She may have earned the right to have respect in her home. Yeah. But I asked her, I said, okay, so if you and your husband disagree on something with the stepkids, who has the veto power? Yeah. She said, neither one of us. I'm like, oh, yeah, huh? He's got veto power. Yeah. <laughs> but she's struggling and feels like that, okay, well, Maybe I need to treat them as my own more. Maybe I should involve them more. But I just... I still, I don't agree with that. And this guy that's her therapist is in a blended family. He, oh. but he says her daughter's my daughter. Okay. But I don't believe there can be unconditional love between a step parent and step kids. I agree. That is my belief. I believe there can be in adopted families. Absolutely. Yeah. It's different. It's completely it different. It's different. And I spent a long time trying to figure out like why it's different. And I, I just don't think, I just don't think you can have unconditional love when there isn't this decision made by you to be their mom or to be their dad. Right. And if there is already a mom or a dad in the picture and you can't fully be mom or dad, then mm -hmm. you're, you're trying to lead an orchestra and you're in the parking lot. Right. You don't hold the decision-making power, the veto power, like you said. You don't, you don't have the tools to mold this child as your own, and you're always in the backseat. Right. And with adoption, not only are you choosing to have this child in your life, 
you also don't have the other bio parents Mm -hmm. to contend with. You don't have the, they're going somewhere else every other weekend. Yeah. And I really do believe that adoptive kids are born in your heart, for lack of a better word. And stepkids are born through your relationship with your significant other. It's like when Ron Deal said to you, I think it was in the podcast with Ron Deal, when he talks about who who could possibly say, oh, my stepdaughter, she hates my guts. She's hated me since the minute I walked in. She's done whatever she could to break us up and she won't even speak to me. And But I sure love her. I love her with all my heart. There is nothing she can do. I will love her till the day I die. That would, that, that's not right. (laughs) That's not, is it possible? Yeah, but I would really think you got something like you need a therapist and you need some help putting your own boundaries up. Whereas if I said about my 16 year old daughter, oh God, she hates my guts this week. Everyone would laugh and they like understand. They know that it's like that. It's just different. Mm -hmm. It is. It's completely different. And you know, when you talk about the stepkids hating your guts and you not liking them. It's easy when they're your kids to say that because mm-hmm. there is that unconditional love. Everyone gets it as well. If I'm at a dinner party and I'm like, my teenagers hate me, we all start laughing. If I'm like, oh, my husband's teenagers hate me. How uncomfortable. Right. <laughs> what do you even say back? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I do think it's funny that when you start talking about unconditional love, I love my child unconditionally, 100%. But do you love your husband unconditionally? I don't. I don't. Mm-mm. Nope. Yeah, there are definitely conditions. And if he wants to go play gigolo or something, nope. Mm-hmm. Th- that love will end mm-hmm. <laughs> very quickly. Yep. It, it is. It's, it's just so different. And I know a lot of people, they don't get it, especially if they're not in a blend. Uh, yeah. And a lot of stepmoms will say, oh, no, I love them the same as my own. Well, let me ask you this. If your house was on fire... Would you save your kid first or your stepkids? That is hard. I don't know if I, that is hard. That's a hard one. But I'll, I'll put it this way, though. If you and your husband divorced, I mean, you can't really think to yourself that you're going to keep that love for your stepkids when you remarry and you've got your new family and he's remarried and he's got his new family and they've gone on and they've got their families and they're not called, their kids aren't calling you grandma. And you can't really expect that. That's awkward. Yeah, it's not realistic. I don't know if it was in our Facebook group or not that this lady was arguing with me about, (laughs) oh, no, my husband and I have agreed, and even the bio mom has agreed, if my husband and I split up, that I will get visitation with the kids. And that's still conditional, though. Well, they can tell you whatever they want right now. Yep. But what is it going to be? Oh, who's going to give up their weekend to give you their weekend with their kids? And how is your new person that you have a relationship with going to feel that you're going to your ex-husband's to go pick up his kids to spend time with them? Yeah. (laughs) And I'm not saying that you shouldn't have a relationship with your stepkids if your relationship with their parent ends, but I'm saying you've got to be realistic with it. It's not the same relationship anymore that you have with your children. Right. Exactly. That's like I know when my son's father and I split up, actually, I hadn't had Jackson yet. I was pregnant with him, and but we actually talked about visitation with the dog because I loved the dog. <laughs> and then I'm like, that's ridiculous. You know, okay, it's a dog. But still, think about it. How weird would that be, me going over there to pick up the dog for visitation? Yeah, and 
how would David feel every Friday? You're off to your ex-husband's. Yeah, to pick up the dog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or to pick up his kid with another woman. It just, yeah. Like I said, it's not like you can't still love the kids, but I don't think it's healthy for everybody to still try to be that prominent in their life. Yeah, I just I just think, at, at least for the majority of us, our love yes. between ourselves and our stepchildren it is conditional. And when you've got someone who has this beautiful relationship with their stepchild, this beautiful, deep family love, there are conditions that had to be right for that to happen. It often does mean a bio parent who didn't bash you and make them feel some sort of um, like they had to choose who to be loyal to. And it often does involve them being unfortunately young from the start or it invo- there's just a lot of conditions that kind of like the stars have to align mm-hmm. uh, yeah. in at least a few ways for you to really have a beautiful relationship with your stepchildren. But if you come into a situation where your stepkids are older, they've got their mom or they don't for very difficult reasons to, for them to be coping with anyway, and you rock up and you're <laughs> starting to boss them around and run the house like you think it should be. And their father is not supporting you and doesn't have your back and lets them disagree with you and tells them they don't have to listen to you and so on and so on and so on. This, those conditions, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's your relationship like with the bio mom? Complicated. Complicated. Uh, don't you love it when people put on their Facebook post relationship status is complicated? <laughs> Well, I get it now. Um, <laughs> I definitely have as most as I as as much as I can. I've tried to be friendly with her. I think she's tried to be the same with me. I think she very much wishes my husband was dead in a ditch or at least alone and miserable. Aww. But if he's not going to be alone and miserable, if he's going to be with someone, I do believe she's fine with that someone being me. Oh, that's. Sweet, kind of. Is it? I don't know. (laughs) If he has to be happy, which I know she wishes he wasn't, but if he has to be, I think she's fine with it being me. I think she knows that I'm good to her children. I think she knows that I don't overstep. Right. Especially as a stepmother, like doing anything at all to make the kids feel like I'm trying to be a mom. I don't do anything like that. I never have. She knows that. Whereas my husband's girlfriend before me, definitely. I mean, I almost reap the benefits of just how much she overstepped. If she said, oh, let's go do this and that on Saturday. And my husband said, oh, I got the kids Saturday. I'm bringing them to the zoo. She'd throw such a fit. And bio mom knows about that. So yeah, she'd much prefer me. Which is a great place to to be in. <laughs> yes, it is. I'm glad I wasn't the first girlfriend after his breakup, and I'm glad the first girlfriend he had, or she may have been the second. But I'm glad the girlfriend before me after his marriage was a bit <laughs> difficult in the stepmom department, so that I came through smelling like roses. Yeah, so you can be appreciated. Yeah. So our relationship face to face is good. I would say the kids think we're really good friends. And we both put in a lot of effort to make sure the kids think that. And do you think that's important? I do, totally. And therefore, I've maybe let things go that have built up and hurt me a lot. Even letting them go has hurt me a lot. Just to make sure my stepkids 
see me as like being good to their mom, really. Mm -hmm. Even there's some things that my therapist has said, like, that is insanity. Like, don't don't speak to her again. (laughs) (laughs) After she does, you know, whatever she does, the next time she tells a judge that we're going to kidnap the kids, my therapist is like, and then you pick up the phone and say, hi, how are you? Don't do that. But my stepkids don't know what's happening. It's like there's two versions of her, you know? Right. They don't know what's happening in, in court orders or in legal letters. They don't know any of that. What they see is their mom being nice to their stepmom. And I need right. them to see their stepmom being nice back. Right. And that makes sense. I think it makes them more comfortable being close to me. And I think yes. it makes them not feel guilty to love me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we see that a lot that the stepkids are afraid to admit that they like the stepmom or they love the stepmom because the loyalty binds with the bio parent. Mm-hmm. There's been times that she said bad things about me and they've been happy to tell me. And I make sure to still use those opportunities to, I mean, it hurts, but <laughs> if they say like, oh, my mom says she doesn't like you, I will say something like, well, that stinks. I hope she changes her mind eventually because I really like her because I worry about what she says, changing their opinion of me, but there's nothing I can do about that. Right. But if you act yourself, they will see you as a person. They will mm-hmm. see who you are and your morals and your ethics, whereas you telling them something is completely different. Yeah. Just because you tell them doesn't mean they're going to believe it. But I have a question for you. When you say, well, I really hate that because I really like your mom or I think she's a good person or whatever. Are you lying? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, there was a time that my I, I went to grad school. I think I was in grad school and uh, their mom didn't go to university. And there's not a, there's no problem with that. But I'm still proud of myself while I'm in grad school. And yeah. I remember my stepdaughter telling me, well, my mom went to school way longer than you. And that's because she failed 12 grades. I'm no, kidding. <laughs> no, yeah. But I just remember actually being like, I don't need to be the person who tells my stepdaughter, your mom stopped school when she was X years old. Like, I don't need to do. So instead, I just said, wow, your mom sounds really smart. Mm-hmm. And it bothered me so much. But that's a me issue. <laughs> yes. Like maybe because I feel like it's a little bit part of my identity, like higher education. I'm really into it. Maybe it's because I want my stepdaughter to say, oh, wow, my stepmom is so smart. But I was like, this isn't the time. I don't need to use their mom to make me look good. Like, so I just said, oh, your mom's so smart. That's really cool. And then later, right. I was like, ah. but obviously this, this isn't like a secret. When she's a little older, she understands what university even is. <laughs> mm-hmm. She can come to those. I mean, smart people don't need to tell people they're smart. So I, that can be for another day that I hope that my stepdaughter use these qualities in me, I suppose. But I don't need to tell her to see these qualities in me. And I certainly don't need to put her mom down. Right. Yeah. And like you said, that's a York problem, not the mom problem and not the child problem. Yeah. If I'm so like attached to like, hey, I'm smart. Like that's, that's just silly. This is a child. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But you know, we feel like that we need everybody to know the truth. Yeah. This I learned from my husband, actually. I probably wouldn't have remembered to bring this up. I remember when when we were just dating, actually, and she was his ex-wife. Now, maybe I give her the benefit of too much, but I, I will give her this, that she does not have a lot of support herself, according to, to her. I mean, I don't know her family. I don't know her community and her friends, but 
she's made it clear that she doesn't get a lot of help from her family, certainly not as much as they like promise uh, in terms of being a single mom and even just kind of emotional support. Um, she feels like judged a lot and she feels like she gets excluded a lot from friend things because she's not part of a couple. And I think, I mean, she's admitted this to me early on that sometimes she has to tell them it's worse than it is really to get the support she needs. Really? Yeah. Early, early days. She made that clear that like her brother, for for instance, she, she really needs a lot of help from him with the children. And yet I do think sometimes she needs a certain level of support and she has to go kind of overboard just to get the minimum. Right. Like I said, though, maybe I'm just, maybe sometimes I try to humanize her to get over <laughs> some of the painful things that we go through. But she was, man, was she saying some really rotten things about my husband to anyone who would listen. And she started calling me the mistress to people when I was like way later. It wasn't even his first girlfriend. Even when I met them, they each were in a different relationship. It was seriously horrible things about both of us to anyone who would listen, including his family. And that made me really uncomfortable because I hadn't even met them yet. And I feel like I felt like, okay, they're going to have these kind of preconceived notions about me and prejudgment about me. And he still wouldn't put it straight. Mm -hmm. And I was like, it's not necessarily you talking bad about her as much as it is you sticking up for yourself. You don't have to add anything to at least say those things aren't true. And he just, he was just steady as could be just really didn't talk bad about her to anyone. You know, she conveniently left out a lot of parts, <laughs> as everyone getting divorced probably does. And he didn't tell anyone he didn't fill in the blanks. He just kind of let her keep going until like, she sort of turned everyone on all by herself turned them on to support him. Mm -hmm. Like she took it too far. She said things that eventually started to contradict the other things that she said, or she said things that were just like way too bitter or too harsh. And I got to always remember that because I just thought like, wow, like kudos to my boyfriend at the time that he just trusted these people will see through it, I suppose. Right. And even if they don't, you can't change their opinion. Yep. Yep. You can't make them believe you. They just figured it out without him having to stoop to that level, I suppose. Yeah. And it's like the kids. The kids will realize who their bio parent really is. That's hard, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It is. A lot of people in the group need to have that faith. Yeah, a lot of people in the group need to. Have... It can't be like, well, mom always says about dad and dad always says about mom. So I don't listen to either of them. Well, look what you've just done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They got to figure it out on their own. Even me having my daughter now, she's only two months old. And mm -hmm. my stepdaughter keeps saying things like she's figuring out. She says her mom always told them dad never, ever helped them with helped her with anything the whole time they were baby. He never changed a diaper. He never so on, so on. And we haven't told them otherwise. They just, they now see like, wait, no, my dad is a good dad and he is doing a lot with the baby and yeah, they, they get it themselves. I was worried. Oh, they're going to think my dad didn't help with us, but he helps with this one. But instead they're realizing, you know, hmm, right. maybe that wasn't, maybe that was at least an exaggeration. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe mom wouldn't let him help. That's probably realistic as well. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. So I decided to nacho. I got myself that therapist and I feel like I 
I'm a few steps ahead of a lot of people in the group because basically I realized that I wasn't only getting over involved because of feeling like, oh, I just want to help. I'll be good at this. But it was also like, ah, and I hate this. This was really hard to admit to myself in therapy. But at some point, I stopped trusting my husband to handle it. Repeat that, girl. Tell everybody that really loud. I stopped trusting my husband to protect me and to think about our future and to handle all these things on his own. Mm -hmm. And so I just took the job from him. Yeah, because you felt like you could do a better job. Yeah, or at least I hoped I hoped I could. <laughs> Even though you didn't have kids of your own at the time. I think that was it, though. I, I think I kind of was holding back getting married and having kids with him because I kept waiting for the dust to settle. Then the dust wasn't settling and I started to resent him like, well, if he had done this right, if he had done that right, then the dust would have settled by now. We can move on by now. So I better get involved. Mm -hmm. But there was also just enough times that maybe he chose to let something go or let her have a win here or there in a way that I thought, well, wait, did you consider how that would impact us, though? Well, what about four years down the line? Or what about how, how are your kids going to? And maybe he did think all those things. And I shouldn't have been judging him. I was like, what? two years into this and he was how many years into this mm -hmm. but at the time i thought like you're not protecting me right you're not protecting me. this affects me yeah a lot of stepmoms are like how dare you not stand up for me when she talks crap about me yeah number one if she knows it's getting your goat yeah. or talking crap about you then she's going to keep doing it yeah he knows her better yes. than you do yes there is really no point. He's not going to change her mind about you. Yes. And what I've seen in one, two, three, and now six years, what I've seen of her, this, she, this is a divorce. What I see of her is her at her worst. Mm -hmm. So how can I just be like all judging him like as though he doesn't know how to handle this? He knows her other sides and I don't. Certainly when I see him dealing with her, it's him at his worst. I don't like that side of him. <laughs> Yeah. They are at their worst to deal with each other. And here I am like judging that these aspects of each of them as if that is who they are. Yep. You're right. I'm not deep enough. I haven't been around long enough. There's a lot of history here. And all I have to go off of is words. I, I wasn't there, you know, so mm -hmm. I really had to learn to stop judging him. Yes. To learn to start trusting him mm -hmm. because trusting him means he's going to handle things in a way. That isn't how I think, but he knows what's right more than I do. Right. And you have to really realize that, yes, he may make mistakes in his parenting decisions, but we all do. And that's how we learn. Yep. And he's forgetful. Yes. And he doesn't pay enough attention to detail. Yes. And if he paid more attention to detail and wrote more things down, would this all go better for him? Yeah. But is me doing all those things for him like, my obligation is to my marriage, not anything else in this blend before it is to my marriage. So if I'm doing all these other things he didn't ask me to do, and now it's making me bitter and resentful towards him and judging him, then I'm actively <laughs> choosing to do things that are less of a priority and they're affecting my marriage negatively. Right. Yeah. Anxiety makes me go into like overdrive. So if he had court coming up or his lawyer sent an email asking for this, that, and the other thing and some clarification and some documentation. I mean, I could stay up all night finding these things for him. I wasn't putting words in his mouth and stuff, but I was definitely his right-hand man. I was his secretary and all these things. Mm -hmm. But he was snoring. 
he can bury his head in the sand. He can avoid things until he has to deal with them. And to me, that just was like, wow, he needs my help even more than I thought. <laughs> yeah. But he's got his own way to deal with things and he's made it this far in life. He's, he's done really well. I don't, I don't need to, I mean, why would I have chosen this person who can't function? He can completely function. I just had to really learn to trust him. But there was also this part of me, I see it in the group too. And this was really hard to say to myself before I started to nacho. But what happens if I nacho and I see a side of him that maybe I never wanted to admit was there? <laughs> what happens if I nacho and he really, he really quits? Right. What happens if I nacho and he gives up on these kids? And he throws his hands in the air and he lets her win whatever she wants. And he stops calling and he stops paying. And he, what if I nacho and deep down he's a person? Is that, is that really why I'm in overdrive? Because I need him to be the man I'm painting him to be, to marry him and have children with him. And I'm scared that without me pushing it, that actually he's not that guy. Right. Can I look past that if he fails? Is there a degree to which if he fails in my eyes, if he becomes a deadbeat or something, am I afraid he's deep down a deadbeat? Yeah, I think that could be a lot of it. And it's like Sylvia Krakauer says a lot, you have to know your non-negotiables. So if your non-negotiable is that he needs to be a parent to his kids, and then he decides, well, I'm, I don't really want to get them this weekend. And you're the one trying to push the relationship that he has with his bio kids. Then if that's your non-negotiable, then you need to take a look at your relationship and figure out where you're willing to give and where you're not. There was also a part of me that thought like, this is really scary, but I don't really have any reason to think that will happen. Mm -hmm. But if I've got some fear and there's some voice in me telling me that might happen, I better find out now. Right. I mean, I, I wasn't pregnant at the time and oh, that was probably the scariest thing of is was me being like, maybe I'm just trying so hard to pick up all the pieces around him so that he looks like a super dad. Yes. Maybe I want my family to see him as a super dad. Maybe I want my friends to see him as a super dad. Mm -hmm. Not a divorced dad, not a deadbeat, that's for sure. Yeah, we don't want our, our friends or family to think that we are in a relationship with somebody that's a crappy person. Yeah. And I don't want to believe it either. Right. Let's talk about that for a second. What if you started seeing those things with him and you were like, you know, he's just not the person I thought he was. He's not trying to see his kids. He just kind of gave up. Or even if the kids were there, he let them run wild and do drugs in the house. What would you suggest that a person's first step should be? And don't say leave. <laughs> oh, you know, Lori, I am the moderator who will not allow anyone to say just leave. That drives me nuts. Yes, me too. That drives me nuts. Um, if, if you were in my shoes where my experience with this was, how can, how can I have this person be a father to my children if he ends up being like that? Mm -hmm. And what I came to realize was who you are as a parent definitely does depend on who you're parenting with. Yes. There's like a delicate dance to it almost, you know? So by nature, I'm really uh, quite strict. My mother was also really quite strict. And I appreciate that about her. Now you do. <laughs> yeah. Well, my father filled in the blanks there. Like he, you know, with the puzzle pieces, my father was more the cheerleader and more affectionate, but they each had to kind of be more of each of those things to, to offset <laughs> 
the other one, you know what I mean? You do, mm-hmm. of course, you know what I mean? You've got children. Like, yes. my mom had to be, suddenly my mom had to be more strict because my dad was celebrating me getting a B. And then my dad had to be more soft because my mom was being tougher. And there, like, there was always these pieces where it definitely had to do with the other one's parenting. Mm-hmm. And I do it with my stepchildren where I know by nature, and I even feel it when I'm with them, I'm more strict structure routine, but I'm not married to someone who's like my dad. He is more cuddly than my mom was, but he's also really into structure and being a bit strict. And so I find myself just falling into being affectionate with my stepchildren. And I mean it, I'm not faking it or something, but I don't think it's my nature. It just happens because like, oh, Dan's already taken care of that tough talk. They don't need it from me now. Mm -hmm. Well, now they're a little sad. Let me give them a hug. You really are like different who you're with. Yes. You're a compassionate person. And that's like when I met David's kids, I could say, yeah, I loved them. I love kids. Yeah. They're fun. They're interesting. Of course, the younger they are, the easier it is to get along with them. But it wasn't the same kind of quote, quote, love that I had for my niece or my nephew, or even that I have for the stepkids now. I love them in the beginning because they were David's kids. I love them now because of who they are. Yeah. I had this fear that he was going to, it's not like however he treats them is how he's going to treat ours. I mean, we see that as actually a huge problem in the group Mm -hmm. is when mom or dad treats children from the first marriage so different from children from the second. But there's a lot of factors there. It is going to be different. And I can't really watch how my husband handles things without me and assume that's how he's going to handle things with me. Right. And also you have to look at it like this. We see it in the group. My husband's more strict on our hours kid than he is his kids. Okay. Well, would you rather him be more lax with your kids? Hmm. Probably not. No. Because then you got to be more strict in that delicate dance. Right. And you don't lower your parenting expectations because of somebody else's parenting a child that they don't have with you. Yep. I remember my husband saying to me when I was pregnant, like, I can't wait to finally not have to be the bad guy. What he meant was with his children, he has to be the parent who reminds them to do their homework all the time Mm -hmm. and gives them a talking to about this and that. And What he really meant was this kid is going to love me because Hannah's going to be so strict on him and I'm going to be the go-to for love and prizes. (laughs) Yeah, which on the surface, how annoying that he's already planning on me being the bad guy. But underneath (laughs) it, I thought, oh, this is exactly what that delicate dance is, that he can be different with our daughter, with our children than he is with his because depending on who each of their mother is means they have different needs from him. Right. And he's not going to have guilty parent syndrome with your child. You know what? I thank God he does not. When I joined the group and I started, no, when I started reading about that, I was really like, wow, thank God. At least we don't have that. Good. Oh my goodness. Thank God. (laughs) There's different levels of that guilty parent syndrome too. We know one guy that he's really strict with his kids. He was in the um, army and he's used to discipline and structure and things like that. But he'll tell you his guilty parent syndrome kicks into not having his kids all the time. Yeah, I would say that's for sure something my husband feels a lot. You don't see it in him, you know, having a hard time saying no to them or 
In fact, the way it presents itself really is him saying to me, you know, can you remind me a little more to go cuddle with them on the couch if they're just sitting there? Just just give me a little nudge and just remind me to go give them a little I love you. So the way he presents it is that I need to be extra affectionate to them more than maybe I think of to myself because I don't have them so much as opposed to I can't say no to them or I've got to give them money or (laughs) anything Mm -hmm. like that. Thankfully, he's still got his head on straight about like, I can't let my guilt mean I do things that I know aren't good for them in the long run, really. Right. So you said it's been about a year since y'all have seen them? Yeah, it has. I've been not doing longer than that. Thank goodness, really, because some of the tough stuff that's happened since then, when we got through it, I thought, wow, I used to get I used to have a much harder time getting through much less. Yes. Thank goodness. Yes, definitely. But you also learned to nacho properly. I think so. So let's talk about that. So okay. <laughs> so I came to this realization that I was at a breaking point where I was almost willing to give up the love of my life just to get this woman out of my life. Mm-hmm. And then I decided like, well, how about I keep the love of my life and get this woman out of my life somehow? There was a few reality checks that I had to like come to and therapy helped me with that. Like one thing was she said to me like, yes, you did help. You did help those children. You did. You made an impact. You did help your husband. Your husband and your children do have a really good relationship and a a pretty good visitation schedule because you said, it's fine. I'll watch them when you're at work. I'm happy to do it. Yes, you did help. You did help. But that doesn't mean like you you must keep helping. You did help. Great job helping. You can stop helping now. Right. Instead of me having to defend myself for helping. She was like, you don't need to defend it. You did help. That's so good of you. But you don't have to keep helping. Right. Because if you feel like you have to keep helping, you're putting expectations on yourself. And your husband could be putting expectations on you. Yeah, eventually. Yeah, and I've said this over and over, expectations override appreciation. Totally, and then I'm getting all mad that no one's saying thank you to me for something no one asked me to do. Right. (laughs) And she also said to me, like, how much of a, like, be honest with yourself, how much of an impact, like, in their day-to-day life and in their future, how much of an impact do you really think you made? And, like, I probably said 5%, you know, Maybe I'm being not fair enough. You know, maybe I made a 10% impact indirectly. They may not remember all the talks I had with them, but they get to spend more time with their dad and so on and so on. Maybe all I've done has given them 5 to 10% positive impact. And she said, and look at you in therapy. You see a psychiatrist, you're on anxiety medication, you're totally consumed. So how much of a negative impact has this made on you day to day? And I'm like, maybe 90 Yeah. She's like, so you have spent years (laughs) making this huge negative impact on yourself to help children that aren't yours a little bit, and it's destroying your marriage. Right. And your sanity. Most of all my sanity. So Mm -hmm. I definitely needed to hear that one as well. (laughs) I started to realize that who he's going to be as a parent to my child is not a reflection of, it's not based off of how he is as a parent to to these kids once I do back off and that it's not a reflection of me if he fails and I mean that's still objective like what is failing really but it's not a reflection of me Mm -hmm. I don't need to be embarrassed or explain it or 
feel like the kids are going to hate me for, for him not stepping up in certain ways or something. It's not, I don't need to feel guilty for his shortcomings if that's what happens. Right. Because especially with you becoming a mother, you are going to have your own shortcomings. Yeah. And the last thing you want your husband doing, even though it's your kid together, is him criticizing your parenting. That's a great point, too. And also, like, just because I helped him get on his feet doesn't mean now I must keep him on his feet. Right. And you can help all day long if that is truly what you want to do. And if it doesn't cause you stress, it's Mm -hmm. like you're 10%, 90% with the stepkids. Yes, you had an impact on them, but what was the cost? Yep. That's exactly it. And that cost is not worth it. No. We give so much of ourselves trying to help other people that we wear ourselves down. That's why balance is so important. You know, a lot of stepmoms have said, yeah, I noticed that I was more worried about my relationship with my stepkids than I was worried about the relationship with my own bio kids. Oh, man. And what good is it when I'm laying there thinking about breaking up with him anyway? Right. Then what happens to the stepkids? What happens to that 5 to 7% when there's no one to watch them? They can't fly over here. There's no one here in the day. Dan's working. He's supposed to have them two to three months a year. He can't take off that much. So what use, what use was it all? Yeah. It's a huge it's a huge impact on them if I vanish. They love me. Right. Well, let me ask you this. Have y'all tried to go through the court system because she's not letting them come over there? Or is that kind of impossible considering it's two different countries? Or It's possible, and yes, but that all got pushed, I think, because of COVID. So that was supposed to happen in March, and my husband was supposed to go there. Then, But see how I just said, I think? Mm-hmm. The reason I'm saying I think is because I am not involved anymore. <laughs> and that is because the stress of you being involved outweighed what you needed to get from it. Yeah. Finally, I was like, I got to get her. I, I got to stop. And, and I'm saying I got to get rid of high conflict bio mom from, from, my, from my mind. But it's more than that. It's really the stress of court, the stress of accusations, the stress of mediation, documentation. These things were torture to me because, like I was saying before, they're going to make a huge impact on my future. And yet, I'm kind of on the sidelines. I'm watching a car crash, but I'm in the car. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's so like, it was just time to, it was time to nacho really <laughs> what, what it comes down to. And I, I'm curious how you feel about um, many, many people in the group don't tell their significant other about nacho. It's not like a decision they make together or, uh, where the husband or wife is kind of supporting the stepmom or stepdad to nacho. Um, because like I said, the, the way I started to learn to nacho was from listening to the podcast. And there was tips you spoke about, like, you know, if you saw one of the boys wasn't doing their homework, but David had just told them that they needed to do their homework. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't say, Hey, do your homework. <laughs> Instead, you might say, Actually, you might say nothing and just text David and be like, hey, come in the dining room and catch your son. He's not doing his homework. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was kind of like a game plan you guys were sort of making together. I'm, I'm just curious what you think, um, what your thoughts are on not telling the significant other, just starting a nacho one day. You know, um, it really depends on your significant other. If you know that your significant other is going to flip out because you tell him you need to step back, then you may not want to divulge it instantly. The best approach is to say, look, 
there's a lot of stress in this blend. I've researched some things, and I think that if I step back a little bit and leave more of the parenting up to you, it'll help my stress level. It'll help the stress level in the home, and it'll help me build a relationship with my stepkids. Yeah. Now, of course, some people, like I said, they don't like the word nacho because they're like, oh, great, he'll flip out if I say nacho. But you can't just wake up one morning where you've been taking the kids to school and go, I'm not taking your kids to school. I read this thing called Nacho Kids, and they're not my kids, so they're your responsibility. Oh, and by the way, you need to feed them every night. You can't do that. Yeah, maybe I'm not grasping completely when some people do talk about how they don't even tell the significant other that they nacho, because I think that's what I picture. I think I pictured them waking up and be like, what do you mean I have to take the kids to school? I'm not taking the kids to school. They're your kids. And the husband being like, uh, okay, but you do it every day for three years now. Right. And I'm late for work and we didn't talk about this. And I, what? so maybe that's not what they're doing at all, but <laughs> that's what I pictured. Yeah. The proper approach, if you're not going to tell them, of course, is to just slowly step back mm-hmm. and say, for instance, the stepkids complain about your cooking and they don't want to eat what you make and all that. And that stresses you out. Okay, so just ask your husband, hey, um, you know, can you help me out and you cook a couple nights a week? It has, you're saying nothing negative about their kids. Yep. You're not saying they're not my kids. I'm not going to take care of them. You're saying I need help. Well, I certainly involved my husband big time. And I, I heard, I don't know where I heard this, but it has been so big for me, although I have to practice a few times before I do it. I heard that when you're going to have a really difficult conversation with your significant other, that you think I, like this conversation has to happen, but they might not take this well, mm-hmm. that you should try not saying the word you. Yes. It's not easy. Sometimes I have to do it over text to him because in a conversation, I'll slip. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I thought this was definitely one of those conversations where I shouldn't say the word you. Yes. So I said something yes. along the lines of. Not me, but blank. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I said something like my dedication and my main commitment and priority here is for this marriage to work. And I feel resentment that isn't fair on anyone. And I feel that I caused it. Right. By slowly, slowly getting way too involved in all the legal stuff happening. And I'm trying to figure out how to make it stop. And I read about this method called the nacho method, which is for blended families who hoped that the dream blend would be theirs. (laughs) But there's things in the way. There's a high conflict bio parent or there's mental illness or there's loyalty issues or there's so on and so on. Unsupportive spouse or whatever that that, that gets in their way. Mm-hmm. And we don't really have a chance at this dream blend because on the face of things, everyone gets along. But behind the scenes, there are some really painful accusations and really dirty things being slung everywhere that... I take really personally and I really take to heart and I really dwell on them and I really start to go overboard with trying to help and I need to step back. I need to step back a lot. I need to trust you to handle your things. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry that I haven't. And uh, I guess time I really need to do that. And so he saw it as, I mean, I'm not lying and I'm not trying to manipulate him, but I don't want it to be like, you got to step up. It is, I am sick of this. (laughs) Right, because what happens when you use the you statement is it causes someone to get defensive. 
Yeah. And I had a lady tell me that one time, and I had to send an email to my son's father. Girl, you know how hard it was for me to take the use out. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I spent way too much time on this. It is hard, but it is important that you don't make that person feel like you're attacking them or criticizing them. And I didn't want to say, I don't trust you and I'm judging you. So I'll stop now. Right, right. One of the things you mentioned was this is happening. This is how I feel about it. And this is the impact. There's um, we also teach this in the academy, the FBI statement where you say, I feel resentful when the stepkids speak to me in a disrespectful manner. And I'm afraid that it's going to ruin our relationship. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I tell I try to advise people in the group to say, look, I know that this mess is just kids being kids, but that doesn't change that I feel really resentful. And me feeling this way is bad news for the whole household. So even if they are just being kids, something has to change. Yeah. I remember watching Dr. Phil years and years ago. Oh my God. I'm the number one Dr. Phil fan. I cannot believe you just mentioned him. I am the biggest, since I was in like fourth grade, I, I am the biggest Dr. Phil fan. <laughs> That's awesome. Go on. I'm sure I've seen it. <laughs> well, you may have, but it was a guy that talked to people on the internet. And the guy's like, well, I, you know, I'm not really doing anything with it. I'm just having fun. And Dr. Phil said, but your wife is being hurt by it. Mm-hmm. If you are in a relationship with her, then that should matter. Yes. It doesn't matter if you don't see anything wrong with it. What you should see wrong with it is that it's affecting your wife in a negative way. Yes. Okay. So your kid is playing video games and it's keeping our baby awake, which means I've got to keep getting up. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, you know, kids are a little noisy. Kids will be kids. Okay. But this, the issue here, like the cause of the issue is the video games. The issue is my resentment. Right. And now I need your help so that I don't have a target on my back. By me being the one who throws the iPad away or whatever. Right. And the root cause of that issue is your husband's not feeling the pain of being inconvenienced. Oh, totally. And it's a, that becomes, yes, you know what? When the answer is kids will be kids. Yeah, the kid's not the issue now. The significant other suddenly the issue. Mm-hmm. Big time. That's part of the process that we go through with the Nacho Kids method. Once you realize that it's not the stepkids per se, that you're mad at or resentful, once you realize that they are just acting like they're allowed to mm-hmm. and that any kid's going to do it, they're going to do what they can get away with. A lot of these things are not the step parent. They, they may not realize at first. Now, a lot of these things are not the step parent being mad at the step kid. Right. They're mad at the bio parent for putting them in this position where day after day after day, they're dealing with the same thing over and over. Right. That if it was their child, they would have handled. Right. And then you go through the, okay, now I'm resentful toward my significant other because they're not parenting their kid like I think they should. That's when you have to go, wait a minute, who am I to say how they should parent their kid? Yes. And then you have to change your focus and say, you know what? How they parent their child does not display how they love me. And that is not why I fell in love with them. And, you know, from you doing the Nacho Kids, a lot of it is changing your thinking. Mm -hmm. It's like before we started recording, you mentioned if you start talking about the bio mom and some of the stuff y'all went through, you'll be mad for two days. Oh, I really will. That's part of my Nacho is as much as I can, don't even bring her up. And I do think of you with that because I've listened to dozens of podcasts and you don't speak ill of bio moms. You don't speak ill of your husband. 
you don't speak ill of in-laws. After all these hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of talking about the blend, you don't do it. So I can last, you know, a 15 minute conversation without doing it. (laughs) But when I do, I'm embarrassed. I just can't stop. I just word vomit and word vomit. I feel like there's so much background they have to understand before I can explain anything, but I don't Mm want to be over explaining. And then afterwards, I'm like, Oh, my God, why why couldn't I shut up? And then I'm annoyed because now I've stirred up all these things for days. Yes, not just for 10 minutes for days. And it will affect you. It will affect your relationship with your significant other. And it'll even affect your relationship with your kid, because you're annoyed. Even just a friend being like, oh, stepkids, I didn't realize how often do you see them? Oh, oh, and I'm just going on and on. Yeah, and it's funny because we want to tell our story. We want to get those feelings out, but then it gets to a point we're tired of telling the story. Yeah, yeah. Because we don't want it to impact us all day long. Venting doesn't always help. No, it's good to let things out and not let things build up. But to just vent and not take any proactive measures is useless. Yeah, you're right. So I started to nacho with boundaries. Like that was kind of my focus. So for instance, um, there was this time that uh, the lawyer had emailed my husband and said, all right, we need this like financial statement. Okay, no problem. We have nothing to hide. I know my husband's going to need help with that he's a little forgetful and he doesn't document and he's gonna say like remember that time we went there what did we how did what was the company we used for the rental car so that I can find out how much that costs things like that I'm happy to help them with except last minute Mm -hmm. when it's last minute and the financial statement is due today or yesterday and I'm thinking wow this is actually really important but with time against us we could actually get a lot of things wrong and we I, I start to spiral So that one, for example, I said to my husband, look, I'll help you with that. If you ask me for help with plenty of time, I'll help you. But if it's less than a week beforehand, I can't help you with this. It causes me too much stress. I stay up all night while you're there snoring. Right. You can't put more into it than they are. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, a week before came, he didn't say anything to me. I knew that he wasn't, hadn't done it. Mm Mm-hmm. A few days before it came, I knew he hadn't done it. Then I remember, so fun fact, in Dubai, the weekends are actually Friday and Saturday. Really? Yeah. So on Friday, we didn't have anything going on. We lived near the beach. And that morning, he said, what do you want to do today? And I thought, no way. I thought he was going to spend the whole weekend working on it. Yeah. And I said, I was trying to figure out how to nacho because I I wanted to go to the beach. (laughs) Yeah. But I, so I thought, I said, "Uh, well, do you have anything you need to be working on? For, for the court stuff. He said, yeah, yeah, but not today. In my head, I was like, ah. but I said, okay, what do you want to do today? He's like, let's go to the beach. And we spent the day at the beach. But while we're at the beach, it was still on my mind. Come Saturday morning, he gets an email from his lawyer saying that thing was due yesterday. And if you don't give it to me today, like you're going to be in trouble come, come Monday because we're closed Sunday. So you've got today now. And my husband was in a total panic. And he sat at the desk, we're tapping away. He's like looking all angry. And I was like, oh my God, I don't even know how to act. Cause I'd usually be sitting next to him, really frustrated at him for waiting this long. So I said, do you want me to make you anything for breakfast? And he was like, no, we just need to do this. And I thought like, okay, I'm not helping him. I'm not helping him. How do I handle this? So then I went into my room and I was like, I think I need to get out of the house. Mm-hmm. So I went out and I was like, I'm going to go food shopping. And he's like, 
are you serious? Not today. We need to do this. And I thought, okay, he didn't really think I was serious. <laughs> I've mm-hmm. read about this a lot with Nacho. I've seen it a lot in the group. He's testing my limits. I told him my boundary. He didn't believe me, maybe. So I said, you know, I, I told you, I can't do this last minute. I can't do this. I said, you could have helped. You can ask me if you need help with these sorts of things. As long as there's time, plenty of time to spare. And uh, after you ask me, I'll tell you yes or no. I won't just automatically do it because I got to figure out for myself what's too stressful. Mm-hmm. You haven't asked me to help you with this. It was due yesterday. <laughs> yeah. I'm not helping with this. And honestly, I mean, I don't remember exactly, but he definitely said some kind of like emotionally manipulative things along the lines of like, well, I thought you loved my stepkids or I thought you loved my kids or whatever it is that he said that I was like, I'm not letting you get a rise out of me with that. I'm, I know you're not happy. I know this isn't what you're used to. Don't now start getting like emotionally abusive at me about it. I'm not giving in like for the sake of us, for the sake of our relationship, you see this as like a gain if you can get me to help you with this, but it is a short-term gain, long-term pain. Yes. I've got, I've got to get out of the house right now. So I left, I didn't actually need to go food shopping, went and sat at a coffee shop for a few hours. And then uh, he texted me that he was done eventually and I came home. But I still spent like all that time stressing myself about him not doing the stuff. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, I want a nacho, but I also don't want to just be like biting my tongue and and overthinking it all the time. I mean, I sat at the beach thinking about it Mm -hmm. and maybe that's just kind of how I am. And things get personal, you know, when you when you are helping, when I do help him form an email, then whatever the email response back is, is personal to me because they're twisting my words now or or whatever they're doing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I just thought like, ah, you know what, for my situation, for me to fully nacho, and this is not me, <laughs> I'm kind of a <laughs> type A personality, some might say controlling I just thought I actually need to go like the ignorance is bliss path. Mm -hmm. I, in that scenario, shouldn't have even known that the lawyer asked for a financial statement. Right. I shouldn't have seen the email that the lawyer asked for a financial statement. I shouldn't have known when the financial statement was supposed to be due. Yeah. I I shouldn't have known anything. Mm -hmm. And so I talked to my husband about that, like taking it a step further. He also knows that how much I've been like struggling with anxiety only because of all this stuff. And yeah, thankfully, he supported it. I mean, he didn't love it. But he definitely saw it as on the flip side, short term pain, long term gain. Yeah. And you know, he's going, we need to do this. And we need to do that. I'm like, you got a mouse in your pocket. Oh, honestly. Yeah. It only became after that I realized and he's not meaning to to be manipulative. But man, the the way he uses the word wait. <laughs> hmm. Woo wee. <laughs> I mean, I, I enabled it. I made it happen. But then once it started happening, I didn't question it. Like, is this a we thing? You said we. I, it might not be a we thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I started to full nacho. I don't see any emails. I don't see any text messages. I don't want him to tell me about any of it. I don't want to know when court is. I don't want to know what she's asking for. I definitely don't want to know what she says about me. Right. At all. That in particular, I can't suggest enough to everybody mm-hmm. that I, there is no scenario where it helps you to know what the bioparent says about you. You're right. There's that saying, what other people think of you is none of your business. Mm. And I'm always like, well, how is it not my business? They're talking about me because it doesn't matter. Yeah. 
what matters is what I think of myself and what my husband thinks of me or what my kids think of me. When I'm in a position where I've chosen to not respond to the things she says about me, how on earth, what good can come of me knowing what she says? Mm-hmm. There's nothing for me to do about it. I'm just going to simmer. I'm just going to simmer in frustration. I'm going to lay in bed at night thinking what I wish I could say. What good is that? Mm-hmm. Then she's got the power over me. Right. She's hurt me just like she wanted to. And then you're going to be mad because your significant other doesn't defend you the way you think he should. I'm going to be mad that he's snoring there. He's not mad like me. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so I, it just became, don't tell me what's happening. Don't talk about her. Don't talk about what stupid things she said to you. Don't talk to me about the legal emails you got. Don't tell me when you mess up because that certainly doesn't help me. Right. I don't want to know any of it. And a lot of things, beautiful things came of that, really. So you nacho from that aspect, but you're still involved with the kids. Yeah. Even though you haven't seen them in a year, you still talk to them, right? Yeah, really. I was sad to think things are going to, it's going to be a little more difficult to keep a strong relationship with my stepkids if I if I now stop being involved at all in the parenting fights basically mm-hmm. that wasn't the case in fact I think I started to not dread as much that on these phone calls with their mother um, completely inserts herself into every call every single call with the stepkids. She's in the background whispering to put it on speaker. I mean, she's completely inserts herself. If they showed you a drawing they did and you say, wow, what's that? She answers butterfly. I'm, it's just, she is just <laughs> so in it. <laughs> I don't know if she, I don't know why. I, I don't know if she wants to make sure the kids aren't saying anything bad. We're not saying anything bad. I don't know, but she is fully in these conversations. And that used to make me not dread having a call with them, but guarded. Yeah. Maybe I wasn't completely being myself or the phone would be ringing and I'd be like, I don't think I'm in the mood to hear her voice right now, Mm -hmm. but actually it doesn't really bother me as much. I know for sure she's up to no good in the background as we speak, but because I I don't know the nitty gritty details or even most of the vague details, (laughs) it doesn't feel as unnatural to just say hello. Right. I'm not faking it as much because I haven't also been mad at her the last few days. And then now I'm smiling and saying hello. Mm -hmm. But better than that, (laughs) actually, is like what's happened between me and my husband. Because like I said in the beginning of this, that when we were first dating, his work issues were his work issues and his family issues were his family issues. And none of those had anything to do with me. We're back to that. Right. We're back to... His work issues are his work issues, just like they always were. And his issues with his ex-wife are his issues, just like they should have been. Mm -hmm. And instead, I'm the fun distraction. I am back to being his girlfriend six years later. Yes. I'm the person who he comes home to. and My arms are open and he falls into my arms and all the problems go away. Right. His problems aren't here as well. His problems aren't at our dinner table also. Mm Mm-hmm. That's not what we talk about on our dates anymore. And it's so nice, isn't it? Oh my God. It's really, we're like teenagers. (laughs) And it's been like this a long time. Yeah. It's been like this a long time now that we have more fun and he comes home earlier from work and he, he comes home and it's that feeling of home where the rest of his problems 
aren't here. Mm-hmm. That's how it should be. I didn't know that that was going to be a benefit of nacho, but it was one of the quickest benefits of nacho. And then I remember when something really rough happened, we did think that they were coming here for a month this past Christmas and two weeks before she ripped the rug from under us really. And he didn't get out of bed for three days. Oh, girl. He was devastated. I have never seen him that way. Already at that point, it had been six months. And the last time we saw them, they said they want to live with us. Oh, man, was he defeated. And for the first time, I wasn't. I was so sad. I really wanted to see my kids. But I wasn't also dealing with all the things he was. I wasn't taking all those things on myself. And instead of mourning with him, I got to be there for him. Right. And that hadn't happened in a long time. And when you're there for him, you don't bash the bio mom. Mm-hmm. You are there for him. You listen to him talk. You listen to his hurts and his concerns and understand you're upset. But for if you sat there and said, yeah, she's an evil witch and yep. I can't believe she's doing this, that's just going to fuel his fire. Yep. In the past, he would have been in bed for three days and I would have been in bed for five. Right. But instead, I was cooking up his favorite meal and, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to distract him. And yeah. Yeah. It was really, it was really different. Now, things still go wrong. I wasn't completely (laughs) incorrect to say I can't trust him to handle everything so well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But lo and behold, the world has kept spinning. And our marriage has stayed strong, even though some bad things have happened that maybe wouldn't have happened if I was involved. Lori, there, he missed a court date. <gasps> what? He forgot. He said, I knew it was the end of May, but I didn't know the date. But I had no idea court was coming up. I didn't know anything about it. He only basically told me this because he was letting me know what happened. Like, there were some yeah. changes that were going to be changes to us. And I was just like, oh, my God. Thank God I nachoed. Yes. Because it was already resolved by the time he told me. Good. The stress I would have been. First of all, I thought, wow, I would have usually been stressed out to the max for the last six weeks, probably. Right. Whereas I was just like, la, la, la. No idea anything was happening. Then he misses it. <laughs> I would have been losing my mind as he scrambled to like fix that and make that right. But I also had no idea that was happening. Right. And so like, oh, look at this. What I, what I would have like basically feared the most happened, maybe, arguably, because I nacho and everything's okay. But you know what? And you'll see it in the Facebook group. Because I nachoed, my husband missed his court hearing. No, no, no. Because you nachoed, you didn't stress out about your husband going to the court hearing. He missed it because he was irresponsible mm-hmm. or not good with putting things on a calendar. I didn't mean to call your husband irresponsible. No, he is. <laughs> that is crazy irresponsible. What if my stepchildren hear this one day? They're going to figure out. I mean, it's, it's not because he doesn't care. Well, they'll know how they know how his, their dad is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, you may not know, but did that impact him negatively in his court? No. Good. But I would have never, I mean, oh my God, I would have thought it would. I don't know. I just, 
no, no, it didn't. No, it didn't. Because COVID was happening. So only his lawyer could be there anyway. And he was supposed to be, you know, on the other line of the phone, but his lawyer worked it out. And anyway, all he needed to tell me was like, what, what changes were going to be in place. But, and then like, that's another thing. I didn't know him and his ex were fighting about money. I mean, I could have guessed they kind of always are. And something has changed with our, with our child support. And I think he felt like he needed to let me know like what the new number is or whatever. And, um, but you know what? I, I don't think I even need to know you guys go ahead and keep fighting it. Yeah. It matters. Of course it matters, Mm -hmm. but not as much as like this new beautiful part of our marriage matters. Right. I almost like now that I started to not know and I felt how good it feels maybe I'm the one who's starting to get irresponsible. Like, don't even tell me, (laughs) don't even tell me what's happening in our bank accounts anymore. Like I, I, I'm enjoying this part of our marriage too much. Yeah. You just make sure that (laughs) that Hannah has enough money to go buy sweet baby stuff and all is good. Yeah. 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 And I mean, really good timing, of course, because now we have our baby here and High conflict bio mom has no power in this house. She's she's not who we consider anymore in any decision making, even the big life decisions. And it is so important to realize that a lot of times we, the stepmoms and the husbands or significant others, we let her be part of our relationship. Mm-hmm. Probably even more than she even intended. Right. As much as she'd love it. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was I, at one point. Dan like wanted to buy me a car and I thought, what about when it's in our financial statements and what's she going to say about it? And I was just like, what am I doing? My husband wants to buy me a car. I might let his ex-wife be the reason I don't let him buy me a nice car. What am I saying? When there's the whole court crap going on, whether you're the bio parent or the step parent, we, I guess, do things out of fear. Yeah. You, you know, but or don't do things out of fear of, oh, well, you know, I better not do that because what if you get hurt? Then they would say I'm a neglectful parent. Yeah. All your kid wants to do is go ride his bike. Yeah. Or we take things to extremes. And I do. I feel like that a lot of times we live in fear of what the judge may think. Mm, I feel like I never exhale completely when the stepkids are here, even though I really do love every moment of them being here. I love my stepchildren. Thank goodness. But I do feel like I never fully exhale. Like I have to be, we have to be on our best. Mm -hmm. We can't slip up at all. Any chance we'll get. I mean, she's written emails to him. Thankfully, I don't read these anymore. Mm -hmm. Like telling him we we shouldn't have made the kids eat their fruit at breakfast because they don't want to. I'm just every, everything she can pull from them, she can turn into something somehow to tell the courts that the stepkids don't want to see us. Right. I, it's, it's such a short sighted thing mm-hmm. because I really think if my stepkids and I, my husband and I certainly won't be the one to tell them, but if they on their own ever see some of the things that she has said to try to defend that they don't want to see us when they so deeply do. Right. I mean, uh, maybe she just doesn't realize. I don't know. Well, even if a court order tells her that she's got to send them, that doesn't mean she will. And then you have to file contempt of court. Oh, we've learned that. So the best you can hope for is that she will realize that, hey, it's important for my kids to go 
see their half-sister. Yes, yes. She'll call us to talk to my stepdaughter, like give her a talking to because our stepdaughter's lashing out at her, angry at her for not letting them see us. We were like, what do you want us to say? (laughs) Yeah. I'd be like, lady, you done flipped your lid. They need to come see us. Wouldn't you rather us not talk to her about this? Yeah. What do you think we're going to say? Your mom didn't do anything. We don't want to see you. That's not it. (laughs) Yeah. See, that's where I'd be like, okay, put them on the phone. I'm sorry your mom won't let you come see me. I don't understand why she won't. Thankfully, she's been clear to them that she's the reason. Well, good. I don't know why she would do that. (laughs) Well, I'm glad that she was honest about that part. They have said to us, mom said she will never let us go to Dubai. Mom says you might steal us and we'll never see her again. (sighs) We say, do you think we would do that? No. Okay. (laughs) I really think she's worried that they'll get over there and they'll want to stay. And they may talk your husband into letting them stay. If they wanted to stay, though, there are routes we could do without, you know, becoming international criminals. Right. She's afraid you're going to do the same thing to her that she's doing to y'all. Yeah, probably. We would never because ultimately it is, it's as cliche as it sounds, it's the children suffering. Yes. It is absolutely my husband and my belief that the best thing for my stepchildren is to have a strong relationship with both of their parents. Mm -hmm. It is her opinion that the best thing for them is to have a strong relationship with her and to feel bad for her that their dad has moved on and isn't around. Uh, That's one thing I was going to ask you too. She's not in another relationship. No. That's part of the problem. Probably. She has nothing to focus on but her kids. Oh, for sure. There was a phone call just recently that, so they're in Melbourne and COVID is, I mean, hardcore, everything's closed, everything's completely shut there. Kids, those kids can't get their haircut. There's, they're still in school from home many months later. Things are really, really heavily shut down there. Mm-hmm. In Dubai, everything's back open. They were really strict here right from the start. Testing is big everyone's wearing masks you don't break the law in dubai and my husband keeps saying like can we please just put put all of our other feelings aside like the kids can come here and start socializing again and not live in this constant fear and anxiety about covid and they've got a teacher here meaning me to help them with their schoolwork and i can take off a lot of work right now and i'm working from home anyway and there's just such a long list And they started talking about it. And she said, well, for how long? And he said, you know, for the most part, you do complain about having them. They can stay here as long as they want. Even if there's at some point that you decide it's your turn to get into a relationship and get back into work or whatever. And you just want them to stay like a year here or something like they're all, they are always welcome here, but I'm not going to steal them. That's a decision for us to make together. And her immediate response was, well, then what would I do? Right. They're all, they're everything to me. They're my whole, what would I do? Yeah. I do understand that feeling. And just because she said those words doesn't mean that's all she's concerned about. But for sure, that was the first thing she said. What about me? Right. Mm -hmm. What about me? My life is centered around my kids. They're all I've got. Yeah. So we need to set her up with somebody. (laughs) Well, I don't think I'm the right person to do that because I have a lot of anger towards her. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you do good hiding it, especially if you can say hey to her without calling her mean names at the end of saying hey when she's on the phone. Yeah, I, I can hold a comfortable, brief conversation with her now. And yeah, I couldn't a few months ago. Definitely not a year ago. 
for sure not like two or three years ago. Yeah. It's amazing how much you've grown since Nacho, isn't it? Yes, it is. I actually am thinking about maybe going back to school and becoming a a blended family therapist. My background is in chemistry, so this is not my realm. (laughs) But it's really seeing all the people in the group go to a therapist who's like, well, you need to love them like your own. That's just blown my mind and made me think like I could do a lot better than they could do. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. And I will say that I do love it when someone says, yeah, my therapist told me about Nacho or they believe in the Nacho Kids method. Yeah. I'm like, woohoo. So it's it's good. My therapist hadn't heard of it, but she's a big proponent of boundaries are like Mm -hmm. so important in in blended relationships. Yes. So when I explained it to her, she she looked like, ah, that's the word I never had. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's the word I've always been looking for when I told my clients. It's nacho that they need to do. They are nacho kids. Yeah. Well, Hannah, it has been great having you as a guest on our podcast. It's been good to finally chat with you. Yeah, and I really appreciate you helping us out and being such an awesome moderator in our Facebook group. Oh, happy to do it. (laughs) I love it. We definitely wish you the best with your stepkids. I hope they can come see y'all soon and see their little half-sister. Because pretty soon they're going to get to the age that they're going to resent their mom for not letting them see their dad. Well, I'm not involved. (laughs) That's right. You just keep nachoing, girl. We'll see what happens. I won't be a part of... I really want nothing more than for them to have a close relationship with my daughter, but that's up to dad now. I can't, I can't do it. That's it. It's out of your control. Yep. Well, thank you again and take care. Thank you. Bye, Lori. Bye-bye. We know that parental alienation is a big problem. Mm-hmm. We are having more and more guests that deal with parental alienation. Mm-hmm. And it's sad. But I do know that certain states in the United States, they're not playing any games with that stuff anymore. Well, it's good. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see the changes that are made in the future for victims of parental alienation. Mm-hmm. One thing I like that Hannah kept saying was that parenting is a delicate dance. Mm-hmm. She didn't say this, but I'm saying this. Step parenting is like... Walking on hot coals. It's all the dances together at one time. It's breakdancing. It's beyond breakdancing. <laughs> telling you, it's walking on hot coals because if, if you stay in one place too long, you'll get burned. You got to keep on getting it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So what would we call that? The nacho dance? The nacho dance. The nacho walk. The nacho walk. Nacho fire walk. Yeah. But you've seen people that walk on those hot coals. Mm-hmm. They don't stop and chill out either. No, some of them do, like the ninja people. <laughs> or you could do the, what is the broken glass walk? Yeah, like the karate kid or something. No. Didn't they stand on hot coals? Tony Robbins does that. Stands on hot coals? No, he has people that come to his events, like walk, do the firewall thing. Because so, a lot of people have had, it's <laughs> gotten burned and had to have um, medical attention. Really? Yeah. Supposedly there's a, a right and a wrong way to do it. And he sh- lets them do it the wrong way? I mean, I don't know how to do it. I just know that, you know, there are people that get hurt doing it. But I'm sure there's a right way to do it. I don't know. Yeah, like put some kind of numbing cream on your feet and some kind of burn repellent? I don't know. I don't know how that works. Now you're going to have me Googling that. <laughs> Maybe if you wear like really thick socks or your feet get sweaty. 
<laughs> no, I think you have to do it barefooted. I know. But then as soon as you, right oh. before you get on there, you take your socks off. No, but then it would go. Psh. Yeah. You'd put the fire out with your feet. Is that what it is? Yeah. I don't know. I just know that me walking on hot coals on purpose, mm, don't really want to do that. Yes, buddy, trying to walk in the driveway. The older you get, apparently your skin gets more sensitive. You know, used to, we'd walk in the driveway when we were little and hot asphalt around the block two miles and didn't bother us at all. Now you walk out in the driveway and it's only 90 degrees and you're like, oh, 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 oh. shoot, I can't even walk out in the yard like a blade of grass. I'm like, ow. <laughs> Don't tell people that, David. They'll got, think you're a pansy. I got tender feet. No, he's got sweet little baby tender feet. That's why they call me Tenderfoot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Chief Tenderfoot. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right. So I can't get over that Tony Robbins really has people do a firewalk and they get hurt. Isn't that some kind of liability? Oh, I'm sure you have to sign a waiver. Oh, yeah, probably. I still wouldn't do it. I mean, I'm sure he didn't force people like, you will walk on this fire. I remember we went to do this indoor skydiving thing one time in Tennessee. If you've never done it, it's awesome. It's um, indoor skydiving. It's for pansies. It is not for pansies. You should do outdoor skydiving. Hush. Out of a real plane. And what's funny is you're like, oh, yeah, this is going to be fun. And then they make you go through this class and you have to sign like 30 pieces of paper saying if you get hurt or die or whatever, then, you know, you won't sue them. And so you might have second thoughts when you're filling out that paperwork And then you go in this silo-type room that has chicken wire-type stuff over, like, a plane engine. You're like, I hope this wire holds up. Well, me and my forward-thinking self, you can see me on the video standing where if the chicken wire falls, I don't fall somewhere I can get hurt or chopped up. You're going to fall right in the middle. Nope. And stand there and spin around, 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 around. Nope. <laughs> nope. Well, you should do like me and jump out of a plane at 15,000 feet and then. Dude, I would pass out and die <laughs> from a panic attack fitting in all that it's not. suit stuff and then getting in the plane was attached to somebody's back. Yeah, no, somebody's attached to my back. When you When you jump out, it's like, it's hard to describe. Yeah, it's like, who, I'm going to die. No, it's like. Freeing, it's it's. You're very... gonna make me bust out singing "Free Falling." <laughs> it is. It's a very, very calming, strange experience. I will take your word for it. I have absolutely no desire to do that ever in my life. You know, the only thing I was concerned about was I did it with all of my kids, and so as I looked around and I saw their parachutes opening, I was okay. <laughs> Yeah, and remember, right before y'all went up, we saw a guy have a heart attack right in front of us. Well, that had nothing to do with the, that. But that still was scary. It was scary. It was horrible. Yep. He was okay, though. They brought him back to life. <laughs> literally. Yeah, like literally. He was dead, dead. Like gray dead. <laughs> and he came back to life and was talking before they put him in the ambulance. <laughs> he was gray dead. He was. He was gray dead. <laughs> mm-hmm. He looked like a little gray man. He did. <laughs> But thankfully, he was okay. Yep, thankfully. All right. All right, that is our show for today, folks. Thanks for listening to this extremely long podcast. So we know you got a lot out of it, though. So join us next week as we have another great episode. And remember, life is always good when you nacho. 
listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.